Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of Touched by a Horse. I'm your co-host, Chris Angel. I'm here with today's host, Heath Cole. Hello, Heath. How are you doing? I am good. I, I uh, We had some great green room chat before we hit record here, and I'm excited to kind of recover uh, some of this stuff because I feel like um, well, you, you at the ranches, it's a, uh, for backstory, the ranches is what? So we're a faith-based, not-for-profit community home that takes care of kids between 12 and 18 years old who are struggling because they can't be at home for one reason or another. Got it. Yeah. And you have different programs. I know that you use horse. You, uh, when last we spoke, you were uh, bringing horses into the mix in terms of gestalt coaching. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. My wife is the gestalt coach and uh, I've been around horses my whole life, but yeah, we're trying to integrate that into the healing process for kids. Right. I love that. I love that. And so uh, last time we even talked about kids for most of that conversation. And this time we're shifting focus to adults. Like, you have a saying there and I'll let you kind of uh, ro- roll with it, but it's, uh, we're all kids. We're all yeah. kids, even adults, we're all kids. Yeah, we have a tendency to, in the world to say that there's adult problems and kid problems, but right. really we're all just kind of dealing at this emotional <laughs> level with whatever we've got. Yeah, right. Um, for me growing up, the, the struggle I had, my parents were in this business and, and they were working for God and working with uh, hurting kids. And it's really difficult to know where you fit on the priority list when you're in, in essence, competing with God and hurting kids. And so right. a lot of people try to come up with the worst story. The worst story wins. Mm. And, and you see this kind of victim mindset take hold where everybody's trying to say, I can act however I want because I was hurt so badly. Mm. Um, and and that's, that's really not helpful when you're trying to help a kid not behave badly. And so right. a lot of times our work in centers around helping adults to be at a place where they can help kids. Do you think that that comes for adults? Do you think it's that obvious like i can i was hurt really bad so i can act how i want or is it more subconscious like it doesn't really you know what i mean like does that live under the surface or do you feel like that people are pretty much self-aware of that in my experience it kind of lives under the surface until a kid that you're working with mm. hits a trigger that brings it up mm. and the kids that i work with are gifted at hitting triggers <laughs> what, is, what does it sound like when an adult gets that trigger and they're like oh you think you had it so bad like i had to walk to school 20 miles both ways up hills like how does it sound when that trigger happens for an adult you did a pretty good job there but uh it, you think you have it bad uh, mm-hmm. and then they launch into their own Got it. Kind of tale of misery based on how they grew up and mm-hmm. it's really not helpful to tell somebody that's hurting that you hurt worse at some right, right when yeah you present uh, but it happens yeah. pretty regularly. I think, is it, is it fair to say, like, <clears throat> we all, all, all of us adults have some trigger. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I tend to have, some, you know, some triggers around, you know, kids that are, are a priority over me. Because my parents grew up doing this work. I was growing up. And, and right. God was the reason they were doing the work. And the kids were who they were working with. And I didn't, I didn't fit into that. And so sometimes when I get deprioritized, I have to really work myself through that. And, and I think as adults, that's our job is to kind of raise that inner child yeah. and say, you don't have to react to this. You can respond to it. Yeah. And so I, I work with my kids in this work. And so a lot of what I do is try to help make sure that my kids never have to worry about where they are on my priority list. Your own kids, your biological yeah. kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One of them called me right now. I, I would figure I would pause this interview if it was an emergency. Right. And, and those are little things that are important to me that if I hadn't grown up the way I had, wouldn't be important to me. Mm, 
Um, my wife didn't grow up the same way I did. And so leaving a voicemail is fine for her, for, for me, because there's other kids in my life that are kind of demanding my attention. Right. I don't want them, my kids to have to wait in line for that. And so I, th- I think those triggers can become motivators and they become principles that your foundation is built on uh, if you deal with them. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people just don't want to deal with them. I asked a question about like, do you, is it fair that um, what we all have a trigger? Because I feel like regardless, whether, whether we're talking about the relationship you have with your kids and the, the harmony in, at home, or we're talking about uh, uh, work, working relationships. So we're talking, I mean, adults have such a wider scope of life to live mm-hmm. than kids because kids are kind of like in this little bubble until they are independent and emancipated. <clears throat> but adults kind of, we have all sorts of places where triggers can happen. And I feel like there's a lot of places where uh, if we're not self-aware or we don't, maybe we're even self-aware, but we don't know how to get to the other side of it. We're just so wounded that we're like, trigger happens, I get mad, and now I don't know what to do with it. You know? well, and and that, that's the great thing about working with horses is they don't know our backstory. Mm. Uh, furthermore, they don't care. Yeah. But they care about where we are emotionally in the present mm. and, and they're dealing with that. And I think a lot of times when we get triggered, we stop dealing with what's in the present and we start dealing with what's in the past. And for me, helping adults to give up the idea that they can have a better past is Mm -hmm. the kind of the centerpiece of working with adults that want to work with kids. Mm. And so when I say we're all kids, a lot of people bristle and they say, oh, no, 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 I'm an adult. But if you really boil it down, we're all kind of this little kid who was was pushed aside or or was mistreated or not listened to or or too hyper or whatever it is. And when we get back into those positions where somebody triggers that response, we tend to react from that place of being a kid. And we have to actually intentionally work to get to the point where we respond to it as an adult. And if we don't do that, then we'll always react to it like a kid does. Right. Do you feel like there's, I mean, I've done a lot of self work or, or, you know, like doing work on myself and going in the shadows for, I would say 17 to 20 years and I still have triggers. So like, do you feel like, is, is there ever a time when we as adults are like, you know, graduated from, from these triggers? Can we ever like just be done with that? Please. I think there's this, this scenario where you go live as a monk or something and you can avoid triggers. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but no, I don't think you ever kind of achieve this place where there's nothing that ever creates an emotional response that mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have to respond to. I, I do think there is a place where you can get to where you recognize that you're hitting a trigger and you stop yourself and say, I get to choose how I respond to this. I have a choice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that, that work with kids, uh, if you look at it like in the basic terms, everybody's seen the scene where, where the adoptive or foster or stepdad says something to a kid and the kid says, you're not my real dad. Right. So that, that's an intentional trigger. Mm. Um, and, and so those are kind of these exaggerated examples that we can all be familiar with, but there's a lot of those little things that go on and I, I you know, traffic or politics or, mm. you know, anytime you're in a situation where somebody was raised in an environment where they weren't heard, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't find their voice. Mm-hmm. Anytime somebody marginalizes them and tries to, to shut them up, they're going to have an emotional response to that. And, and Facebook comments are a great place to see that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's helpful, but I, you can see right. it. And so as an adult, I think our job is to kind of be aware of as many of those trigger spots as we have. And then we all have like these strategies that we use to deal with those triggers. And if you are aware about your triggers and you're aware about your strategies, then you can kind of put the two together and say, I'm going to develop some new strategies to deal with this. So how do we, if we had to like make it actionable, how do, if I'm an, and I'm an adult and I'm, I'm hearing this conversation, like, okay, I get that I could be, uh, that I have triggers. I get that. And I get that. Um, I have a choice to make, um, in the moment when the trigger happens, how do like, is there a, 
I, you know, I'd really like to make this a recipe. Is there just like a foolproof magic bullet, please, that you could give me that would make this work? But how do I constructively work with those moments? Well, I think the first thing that you have to do is address why you don't want help. For, for me, a lot of that's tied up in being a male. I mean, I, I grew up in, in, on a ranch with, with uh, kind of this cowboy mindset that uh, buck up little camper and, and, and stop your whining. And, and, and so a lot of times we translate that into our adult life by saying, I should never need help. So I think the first step is to sit down and say, okay, what is it that is causing me this failure in my relationships? And then find somebody that's willing to walk through it with you. Yeah. <clears throat> well, okay. Obviously I'm biased and I think somebody with, with a gestalt coaching background is probably better at doing that than, than other people. But I, I don't know that saying this help is better than that help is, is the right way to go. Really, you need somebody that'll walk through it with you and, and identify it. And, and for me, um, right out of, well, a little bit out of after high school, a buddy of mine called and said, hey, you want to go be city slickers on a ranch for three months? And I said, sure. Uh, two years later, I was working with a horse every day and that horse did not give a flying rat's ass about what I did. They mm. didn't care about my childhood. They didn't care about, they, they were there to do a job. Mm. And so I learned a lot about mm. that horse because that horse was stubborn, just like the guy riding him. Sure, um, sure. And, and if you went to rope a calf and, and you missed, uh, you got two shots and then he had to go chase something else and he wouldn't go back to that calf until you went and roped something else. And so I learned to prepare a little bit more and miss a little bit less. And, and those are the kind of things, those are little lessons. But like you said, 17, 20 years, I mean, I, I've been right. in business for 20 years and they're still kids that, man, they just get to you. And, and sometimes it's they break your heart and sometimes it's they, they argue. They're a little version of you. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all have to get to the point where there's somebody in our life we can sit down and say, hey, I, I dealt with this kid today and they, man, they hit a trigger I wasn't ready for and I need to process that. I need to work through that so that it doesn't hit me so hard the next time. I don't think it'll ever not hit you, but yeah. I think you get to the point where when it hits you, you recognize and say, oh, you know what? This isn't about this kid. This is about something with me. I feel like there's a, <clears throat> I'm, I don't exactly know how to put it, so I'll just sort of talk it out loud and, and maybe you can point me in the right direction. I feel like part of what you're saying is there's um, being present is sort of the place we put ourselves in a position of power to make a decision or to be to be productive with whatever is happening around us and um but then at the same time you're saying like the horse doesn't care about your past but there is some work to do with your past right like how do i balance the i'm going to be present there nothing else matters except for right now but then there's also some work to do to heal what happened in the past which isn't the present or is that the present well, I think, I think the past is jumping into the present and causing a problem, but Got it. Um, to, to be honest with you, there's a difference between acting like something didn't happen and healing and getting to the point where you're at peace with something. And I think yeah. when you, we're talking about our past, we have to find peace around it. We have to yeah. find a place where what it is doesn't affect what we are today. Um, yeah. When we're in the present, we have to deal with what's going on in that moment <laughs> and not let that past creep into it. So you're balancing the two all the time. Got it. There's yeah. kind of a polarity to it. I get it though. Yeah, that's good. It's making sense. And I just work with a lot of kids that are gifted at pulling adults into a situation where they hit a trigger that that adult wasn't prepared to work with. Yeah. And then I end up dealing with an adult in pursuit of helping a child. Mm. And, and my wife is, is really great with the kids and she sticks in that, <laughs> that area a lot more than I do. Mm. But I end up working with a lot of adults and trying to walk them through some of those things that are preventing them from being <clears throat> open and compassionate and, right. and really uh, vulnerable to a kid so that that kid can move forward and so they can move forward with them in the present moment. And if your yeah. past is a barrier to your, your present and then becomes a barrier to your future, at some point you got to decide what you're going to do. 
you can either live in the past or you can give up the idea that you can have a better past and move forward. And we all have to do that. Do you feel like, uh, I feel like, and I'm, but you've had way more experience around kids um, and probably these situations, but do you feel like kids um, get and respect transparency or vulnerability? And if like, if, if, a, if an adult leads with transparency, vulnerability, the kid will sort of back down and respond uh, in kind or no? Well, I, I think kids uh, a lot of times really suck at understanding vulnerability. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> so that's fair. It's, it's foreign to them. It's not that they react horribly to it. It's just they're, they're foreign to it. But I, I have had very few situations in my life where I sat down with a child and was honest and, and, and genuinely speaking from the heart about the situation they're in, where they didn't feel that connection and all of their defense mechanisms became less important to them. They didn't give them up. They just became less important. And yeah. then the relationship can grow. Um, yeah. Like on a, on a basic level, working with this kid right now, and she's, she's gone through a lot of uh, physical trauma. Mm. And uh, if, if she's in a room and, and the exits get blocked, she gets really, really tense. Mm. <clears throat> so, I, you know, I'm a big guy. So I, I have to, to really work to not ever block the exit for her. Mm. Doesn't mean she hates me. Right. I mean, she needs me to do something a little bit differently. And, and that vulnerability of saying, hey, if you do this one thing, it'll help me. I think that's something kids have to learn from an adult that knows how to do it. Yeah. Reminds me of um, uh, just, I mean, you know, the, it's the trigger thing. Like I think we could say as adults, a lot of us would say most of the time, no, I'm at peace with stuff until the trigger happens and then I'm not at peace. And I think it's the, that's why I asked about the vulnerability and transparency because I feel like if, if the, the battle escalates when I'm, holding on to being right and the kids holding on to being right and now it's like like don't don't be don't be intimidated that i'm standing by the exit like you know that i've got your back why are you being all mad about me standing by an exit and now i'm trying to be right about what i'm doing is fine don't judge me for what i'm doing i'm trying to help you and then the kid's like no but you're you know is that i feel like that's where things escalate yeah you described a lot of my days (laughs) (laughs) i have this conversation a lot do you want to be right or do you want to be competent Mm. no Being right means that you're dedicated Mm. to your intentions. Being competent means you're dedicated to your results. Ooh, yeah. And so a lot of times when we get into this, we want to people to to, to say, hey, your intentions are pure. Well, you wouldn't be working with kids if your intentions weren't true. Right, right, good point, yeah. Um, But your competency has to come in at some point, and that's when you say, okay, this kid being upset because I'm standing in a doorway isn't about me. It's Mm. about something she's dealing with, and if all I gotta do is move out of this doorway, Right. And that helps her. Why would I not do that? Right. Um, that doesn't mean that we never revisit it. It doesn't mean at some point we don't talk about how she can deal with that in a different way. Right. Right. And this is one small act of kindness for this one child in this one moment that can matter. And if you're more dedicated to being right than to moving out of the doorway, uh, th- that you've made the issue effectively. It's gone from a kid issue to it's being your issue now. Right. And so right. you've, you've take, kind of taken, you've hijacked their issue and made it yours. And then all of a sudden the battle is, and, and this happens in families all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. <clears throat> I, what I think I like, um, you know, I heard once that transformation happens in a process. Transformation isn't an event. It's a process. And <clears throat> I can see um, parents or adults who, you know, I mean, we're titling this, like we are all kids and we're raising our inner child as adults. And that's a process. Raising your inner child is a process. And um, I just feel like we get (laughs) our kids and life keeps handing us opportunities to grow and to raise ourselves as kids and to deal with the, the stuff that comes up. 
Yeah, and our, our kids are great at it. Um, they're <laughs> yeah. genetically related to us. Right, uh, right. Other people's kids are also great at it. Mm. Um, but when you're really looking at it, everything that we ch- face is a challenge in our life. Mm. It's either a lesson or, or a setback. Mm. And, and the people that focus on the lesson tend to be a lot happier. Right. And people that focus on the setback tend to be a lot more depressed. Right, so right, right. Every person that sits in front of me, you, I mean, preparing for this with you, I, I, I don't know you, uh, we haven't hung out together, but there's a challenge in that and there's a lesson. I, I, I'm conscious of how I come across in this interview because a lot of people are going to see it. I didn't realize how many were going to see it before the first time, but now that's a challenge. That's something, that's a lesson to learn to, to prepare for this and make sure I, I have myself in line with what I want to get across so that I don't make you or I look stupid in this process. Well, thank and you so, for that. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> five things I hate looking dumb is number one. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So well, I, I think it's a lesson all the time. Yeah. I, what the, the reason I like um, the gestalt horse thing in this conversation is that I feel like sometimes the process is easier when there is, it's very hard in, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of journaling over the years and it's very hard sometimes to, to sift and filter out my own stuff. Because mm-hmm. it starts to swirl, like all my thoughts and my ideas and my reflections start to swirl. But when there's something externally from me that can, like a horse and a coach who could kind of walk me through a, a conversation or a process, it's easier to access the things I can't see, my blind spots, the things I can't see myself. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, when, when all that stuff is swirling around in your head, uh, we're judgy people. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. everybody says I'm not judgmental. Yeah, you are. Uh, right. The person we judge the harshest is usually ourselves. Yeah. And we look back and say all the things we should have done differently. Uh, I mean, if you've ever sat with a 15-year-old girl while she chooses a selfie, you know exactly how judgmental a kid can get about themselves. Mm. And, and when we are left alone to our thoughts and our journals, sometimes we apply that judgment to ourselves. Yeah. We apply our 30-year-old judgment to our 15-year-old self. Wow. And that's not fair. You were no. 15. That's heavy. That's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I made a lot of mistakes at 15, and my 30-year-old self wouldn't make the same mistake, but the 15-year-old self did what he did. And coming to peace with that is, is sometimes a matter of forgiving yourself for making a mistake when you weren't prepared to make the decision you did. Right. And so we all get into those things, and we all have these things that kind of haunt us a little bit. Yeah. And the best way for most people to look at haunting things is to not look at them at all. And I think the people that turn and face those things and really stare down what haunts them, learn to come to some level of peace with that thing and that decision or that yeah. that slip up or that mistake. And then if we can do that, we can teach kids how to do it. That's a perfect place to wrap. I, I feel, so you do work with adults as well as kids? Well, yeah, we hire people to work with kids mm. and we have to train them to work with those kids and that process. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's two or three years of, of going through stuff with them. And it's really hard to get good at raising other people's kids. Right. And um, when you're, they're your kids, you love them automatically. When they're somebody else's kids, you, you, you have a harder time getting that bridge built. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, our training process is, you know, three or four weeks. But uh, the people that are really good at this, that really excel at taking care of people, like taking care of other people's kids, they're never, they never stop learning. They never stop training. They never stop dealing with new situations. They never yeah. stop adding to their toolbox. Well, if I'm an adult uh, listening to this, or a kid for that matter, but uh, if, I'm an, if I'm a human listening to this and I want, uh, I just, I, this really resonated with me and I want some help. I want some conversation. Like where can people reach out to you and learn more about what you do? 
um, our social media, uh, Facebook page and all that stuff, but uh, www.theranches.org is the easiest way. Okay. There's ways to contact us on there. Perfect. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you, if you just want to send a message, any platform you want to me, I'm on all of them and, and start a conversation. We can do that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I'm not dedicated to a specific batch of kids or a specific batch of adults. You know, if somebody needs help, literally the least I could do is to respond to an email or a text message. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's important work that you're doing. Um, you guys can go to the ranches, the ranches.org um, and uh, check them out there and, like Heath said, you can find him on uh, social media, Heath Cole, K-U-L-L, Heath Cole. Well, Heath, thank you for your time. I, I always enjoy our conversation. This is our second conversation. I, I really enjoy them. I think you're a deep dude, and I like that about you. And I like uh, the work that you're up to. called that today, so I, I appreciate <laughs> well, it. No, yeah. These are so easy with you doing them because it, you're uh, – I spend a lot of time teaching people how to become better listeners. You're naturally a great listener, and, and that really helps this process. So I've thoroughly enjoyed every minute I've spent doing it. Good stuff, Heath. Well, thanks. I hope we get to do it again. And until then, take care. Absolutely. Thank you very much.